Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Revelation chapter 14. Shall all please stand for the reading of God's word? Revelation chapter 14, verses 12 to 13. Hear the reading of God's word. Here's a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. This is the reading of God's word. You all may be seated. All right, well, this morning we finish up the section in Revelation that went from uh, chapter 11, verse 19, to chapter 15, verse 4. Uh, sort of a summary um, sermon this morning to wrap up that section. If you remember, uh, first we saw, uh, beginning in chapter 4, the, the seven, tr- uh, seven seals of God, uh, the seven seal judgments, then the seven trumpets, and now we have the seven visions, and then we'll move on to the seven bulls, uh, we'll see how the time goes, Lord willing, we'll read the section, but we'll, 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 see, we'll see as we go. But uh, I want to draw your attention here to, to this phrase, or this section here that Sam read, particularly verse 13. What a mighty declaration of God here. Write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Can you imagine if that's true? The condition of those who die in Jesus is blessed. I mean, what, what, if, that, what if that simple, mighty declaration dripped a little bit deeper into our soul today? How, how would we engage in our relationships, both the difficult ones and the joyful ones? How would we encounter the world today, this next week coming up, that which is difficult and that's, that which is joyful, if we could increasingly functionally believe and walk in the good of this text, that this declaration, God saying, blessed are those who die in the Lord. So I just first want to just ponder this phrase a little bit and walk through it bit by bit and just meditate on it together. Um, I, I'm not typically one who says, you know, this, this is one of the most important passages of Scripture, the most important verse, or, or my favorite verse in the Bible. Um, so I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this is, this is an amazing declaration, and it's right in the middle of Revelation. Who would have thought? And I, verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, now, remember, John's in the series of visions, so he's been watching things unfold before him. Right, so he keeps seeing that, saying that phrase that we saw, starting in 13.1, and then I saw, and then I saw this, and then I saw this, and then I saw this, and then all of a sudden he hears something. And I heard a, I heard a voice from heaven saying, there's this break in the action. And the voice, it starts off, by saying, write this. Now, he didn't have a, a pen, but if you imagine it's a pen or whatever he has, John, grab your writing utensil. Write this down. 
The people who you're writing to are going to need to hear this. Grab it, John. Make sure that this gets in there. Now, even this phrase, write this, or this, this word, it, it shows up earlier in the book. Right? If you remember, uh, John is told to write what he sees twice in chapter 1. Chapters 2 and 3, remember, it, we kept seeing that phrase to all the letters to the churches. It would say, um, to, the, to the angel of the church of Pergamon, write. And then tells John what to write. And then it sort of disappeared throughout the book. John, if you remember in chapter 8, was about to write what the seven thunders said, and he's told John, don't write that down. And all of a sudden, right here, John, write this. What I have to say right now, the church needs to hear. He'll say it again in chapter 19, and it'll be very similar. Write this, John. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He'll say it finally at the end of the book. Write this, John. These words are trustworthy. So this is just John hearing a voice from heaven. I understand, as I, I think you'll see in this interaction as we go, I, I understand probably this voice is coming directly from the throne that we've seen, chapter 4 and 5, coming. John, write this. Blessed. You know that, that word blessed. It's common throughout the scriptures, yeah? It's a beatitude, a call of blessing. It is God, God declaring to the human race who are the, uh, you might say, soul happy or the, uh, those who experience the, the privilege and the, the care of God. Deep down, who are the, who are the truly joyful people? And you know, you get, you get a lot of these throughout Scripture, and the Psalms have a lot of them. Um, blessed, uh, blessed is the man who does not walk in the path of sinners, right? Or, or, or in, walk with the, what is it, walk in the path of sinners, or stand in the, there you go, yeah, seat, sit in the seat with the, seat, the scoffers. But what does he do? He meditates on the law of God day and night. That's who the blessed one is. He who meditates on the law of God flees from sin and meditates on the law of God. Or the end of Psalm 2, blessed are those who take refuge in the Son. Right? Blessed are those who trust the Lord or make the Lord his ref their refuge. Blessed are those who keep the commandments of God. Right? You get these all throughout scriptures or, or the Sermon on the Mount. Right? It starts out with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is God declaring who are the soul-happy people. From the throne, in the series of visions, God telling John, John, write this down. The church needs to hear this. This is who the blessed, soul-happy people are. The dead. Now, you might not have been expected that one at first. Blessed are the dead. I mean, is, is he saying it's because it's just too hard here? That you just, blessed are you just when it's just all done? I don't think so. It's because death itself, uh, it's, an, it's an intruder into the creation. But for some people, death is a gateway 
into joy, right? Into deeper joy. Because what does he say? He doesn't say blessed are the dead, everybody. It's not blessed are all the dead. You know, Hollywood might say that. You know, blessed are the dead, they're, they're all looking down on us. That, that's not the message of this book at all. We saw last week the, the pool of blood going out for roughly 200 miles almost, right, to the wine press of the wrath of God. It's not blessed everybody who dies. What does it say? Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. That's our key phrase there. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. So what, is, what does that mean? What does it mean to be in the Lord? Well, you might say it's those who are united to Jesus or something like that. You, you could, that would be true. Uh, I, I, think, I think if we go back up a little bit, to just to verse 12 that Sam read for us, uh, we get a little bit of a clue here. What does John mean here when he says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord? Uh, look at verse 12 again. We've seen this, uh, this call already. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Which then when he says those who die in the Lord, I think first of all he's talking about the saints is the, the, the saints, the holy ones, the people of God who have endured. They've made it to the end. And John defines exactly who the saint is in, chapter, in verse 12. Who are the saints? Is it those who show up to services? Is it those who give some money? Is it those who don't do the really bad things? Is it those who do a couple moral things? No, he, tell, he tells us exactly who he's talking about. Who are the saints? It's those who keep the commandments of God. And their faith, or to use Paul's language, it's, it's their life and their doctrine, right? It's, it's those who walk in the commands of God, despite what the world tells them is good and right and says is okay. They go, they go by God's commandments, despite what their opinion is or their feelings are. They keep the commandments of God. They strive to. They endure keeping them. And they keep believing. They keep faith, despite what the world says, despite the sneers from the world, despite when the world says that's foolish. They keep the faith. And John here, I think, or the, the, the voice from heaven saying, blessed are those who endure in Jesus to the end. They keep the commandments of God. They keep faith in Christ. Not perfectly, not, not perfection, but direction, right? But they keep it. They keep fighting. Which ought to stir us up towards holiness, right? It's, whoa, if blessed are those who die in the Lord, I want, I want to die in the Lord. I want to be those who keep the commandments of God. Write this, John. The church needs to hear this. Those who die in the Lord, who fight to the end, who go to the grave believing, their condition is blessed. Don't think otherwise. No, death becomes a gateway to blessing for those who die in the Lord. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. Now notice what, what just happened there. John heard a voice coming from where? From heaven, most likely the throne. And now who's talking? It's the Spirit. So you kind of have this 
First, the statement and a response here. I, I, this is a good translation by the ESV. Like it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's saying, blessed indeed. I, I agree with that statement. Uh, I like the translations that just stick with the Greek. It's just yes. Like the NASB, just, it's just yes, says the Spirit. Because I think if, if I were reading this, it would go something like this. John hears a voice. First, he's been seeing all these visions. He just saw a vision about those who are marked by the beast are going to drink the cup of God's wrath and be tormented day after day. John, write this. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes! That's true! I agree with that. Those who die in the Lord who have had their sins paid for, who have been redeemed from the earth, yes, indeed, it's true. They are the blessed people. They are those who are soul-satisfied, soul-joyful. Yes! You know, that's part of the ministry of the Spirit of God, right? Uh, the, the Spirit, right? He will, he will testify, right? He will, he will confirm with our spirit that we are indeed children of God, from Romans 8, right? Or uh, in John, uh, he will testify about Jesus. He, he has this testifying ministry. So the throne says to John, tell the church, the people that are blessed are those who fight to the end, who run the race and refuse to cave to the desires of the flesh, the, bo- the desires of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, who, des- who refuse to cave to the, the oppression of the world, the seduction of the world, the deceit of the world, and keep faith. And keep the, keep the promises, keep, keep, keep the commandments of God. And the Spirit pipes in. Yes! In other words, I think that's, that's also meant, as you read it, for it to almost say, do you hear that, believer? That's true. You can insert your name in there. Yes, Dan, that's true. Because one day you're going to die. And if you die in the Lord, blessed are you. And we could go around the room, just insert you in there. Yes. I mean, I, there's a lot of parts I would love to see the vision uh, in Revelation. I don't know why, but I would love to hear the voice from the throne and then the Spirit of God respond to that. Wouldn't that be glorious? Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Yes! Why? Why? Why does the Spirit agree with that? Why are they the blessed people? He tells us why. Because those who die in the Lord are blessed because that they may rest from their labors. Rest. It's, it's the idea of finding relief. You know, sometimes you just need some relief from hardship or something, right? And I'm guessing you experience that. Uh, it actually stands in contrast of 1411, those who have the mark of the beast, who drink the cup of God's wrath. Look at verse 11 of 14. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest. They have no relief. Day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. So they have no rest. But here, it's those who die in the Lord. They have rest. 
And in particular, what does it say they have rest from? Their labors. So what are the labors? Does that mean, hey, I know you don't like your job. Don't worry, when you die, you don't have to work that job anymore? Pro- probably not, right? I mean, that, that'll be true if, if that's you. you know, that'll, that'll, that will also be a, a joyful thing. Uh, but, I mean, I like my job, so don't don't. <laughs> Um, how do I get out of this one here? Uh, but, you know, God, God made us to work, right? So in, in the garden, uh, it, before sin entered the world, God had commanded Adam and Eve to, to work the garden. So work is good. In glory, we will work. So it's not that we, we won't work. He's, he's, it, it, this isn't about, like, the, uh, yes, indeed, because they'll just have eternal vacation. Sit around and eat some grapes and stuff. No, that's not what he's talking about, the labors. That's not what the labors are. It's not work. Um, he uses the word earlier in the book uh, to, to one, of the, one of the churches. I know your toil. It's, it's, this, I, I, it's the idea of the, the, the burdens that you fight or the, the toil or the, the difficulties that you battle. I, I might, to, to try to get it in the context of the whole section, I might say, they will rest from the battle. Because this whole section from 1119 to the end is about this battle. It's this battle, the cosmic battle of Satan against the church. Remember chapter 12. You have these characters, the, the woman uh, and, and the offspring of the woman being Mother Israel, the church, who gives birth to the Messiah. Messiah comes through her to rescue her. But Satan wants to destroy the child, and he can't. And then he tries to destroy the woman, but he can't. And so we, you get to the end of chapter 12, and he goes off to make war against the offspring of the, of the woman, to make war against the church. And then chapter 13, uh, you see the way Satan's going to make war in a picture form, but he's going to use the, the, the human system, the, human, the, 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 the worldly system of oppression through people, Seduction through the world to try to woo us away from God and, and deception to, to, to give false ideas of God and, and ourselves. Right? Satan's going to war against the church, trying to kill her, and in, in fact will physically kill many. But all the while, it's this call to endurance that we saw throughout the section. Endure. Fight through it. Keep it to the end. And here, that's what I think he's talking about. They will rest from that. The battle will be over. Won't, won't that be a glorious thing? Because I hope you battle every week. Right? Typically you get to the end of the week, you're like, I don't think I can make it another week. I've got temptations around every corner. Temptations to coast. Temptations to be jealous of the world. Temptations to play it safe. Right? Temptation is everywhere. It's just battle. Or I like the way Peter says it. The, the, the lust which wages war against your soul. It's just battle inside. The Christian life is war. It's not against people, but it's against this, our inner self being tormented by the enemy, using the world, trying to distract us. So here, I think the Spirit is saying that we'll finally rest from the battle. You'll make it. Now, I, I can't recommend this uh, movie because most of for those of you who know me, most of the movies, I don't really watch movies. So most of all of my movies I know are like 
pre-conversion date, which was coming up on 20 years. So they're all like 90s movies or 80s, right? And I don't even know if they're good. That's just what I remember, the parts of the movie. Uh, so I can't recommend Shawshank Redemption, but okay, so I don't, I don't know. But Shawshank Redemption, uh, you know, it's a story about this guy named Andy, and he gets falsely accused of uh, a double murder. And so he's in prison. He's given two life sentences, so he's, he's locked in there forever. And, uh, you know, through the movie, you're kind of watching the, the hardships that he experiences in prison and stuff and these friendships that he makes. Uh, but he escapes eventually from prison. And the way he escapes, he, he, you know, I mean, it's kind of a long, drawn-out thing, but he, he basically he digs this tunnel out of the wall, uh, and he gets kind of like up on the roof, and then he, he has to break a hole into a pipe, which is the sewage pipe at the prison that runs out into the, the I don't know, like a river or something. So he breaks, he breaks open the tunnel, and he climbs, uh, it says 500 yards, so like five football fields, like through sewage. Uh, and he's climbing through it. Uh, and uh, Red, the character, he's tell, walking us through this story in the book. And, it, and you watch Andy climbing through all the sewage. And, he, and Red's like, I don't know how in the world he did it. And I don't even want to think about it. But you get Andy, at the end, he finally, like it's, thrust out of the pipe, and he lands in the river. It's raining. So everything about the scene is totally gross. But finally, he's out of the prison. He's out of the toil, and he's standing there, and he just looks up with this huge smile on his face. Relief! Relief! From the toil! That's what the Spirit of God is saying to the church through this. Blessed are those who die in the Lord, who keep the faith to the end. There will come the day, relief. No more battle from the enemy. No more wrongful desires of the flesh that get twisted. And I will be set free, free indeed, to worship as I truly desire to. For their deeds follow them. Yes, that they may rest from their labors because their deeds follow them. I understand that statement, for their deeds follow them, to be saying that the, <clears throat> the manifestations, you might say, the manifestations of them truly believing in Christ, that despite what the world tells them is okay, despite what their own opinion is, to fight through that and to actually live and grow in Christ, that follows them. It, it, it follows them all the way to the end, and therefore it, it's the manifestations that they truly followed Christ, that they truly worshipped him. The thing I love about that is if you read that, it's, it's like the, the idea of, uh, okay, life is going to be hard this week. Right? Maybe it's a relationship that's difficult, and you know that God's calling you to be gentle towards this person. And nothing in you wants to. Or you know that something hard is going to happen at work, and you're tempted to grumble. And God calls us not to grumble, because there's a distrust in God. And everything in you wants to grumble. Everything wants you, in you wants to slander. And you know that I, somehow I need to rein this in. This text says, as you do that, those deeds, are, they're spotted by God. He sees them, it honors him, and they follow you. There's this, this trail leading behind you. And one day, it's like, it's like you present them to God, and you have relief. 
It's really a beautiful picture here, this, this glorious statement. Um, I like how uh, in text group, uh, it was Eric who said, this is, this is, this is like the, uh, the ultimate halftime uh, uh, pep talk. Right? We're halfway through the battle. We have to go back out there on the field. And in the context of this book and in the context of the Christian life, some of you are going to die. There's temptation around every corner. Life is going to be hard for you. If you're going to follow the commands of Christ, it is going to be difficult, and you will want to cave. But it's worth it. Stay in the battle. Fight to the end, because finally, one day, you will have relief. And there we will worship Christ forever and experience joy to the fullest. And so it's this, it's this cry, this pep talk, come on, we got to do this. We can stay in it. Let's fight to the end. And blessed are you who make it. Which then, as you get to the end of this whole section... See, I'm judging by the time. I'm not going to have time to read the text. So, I think we're going to have to do, I'm going to have to call an audible. Maybe we'll put it on a podcast of just reading the text. Uh, that's, if, if you were here for the last couple times, that's what we like to do. Uh, just so that you can kind of experience after having preached through it, uh, that you can go, okay, I understand this whole section of, of Revelation. Our goal is that by the end of the, our time, by the end of the book, you, you feel like, I, I know the book of Revelation. I could, I could go tell people about it. So stay tuned for that on a podcast. We'll read through the whole book or the whole section here. Uh, let, let me just draw our attention then to the rest that happens in this chapter. What is getting at uh, the rest from our labors, uh, which we saw last week, verse 2 of chapter 15. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast. You might say, conquer the beast by dying in the Lord. Some, earlier in the, in the section, they, they actually were conquered by the beast. Right? They physically were conquered, but they conquered by remaining faithful to Christ. Those who conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sing. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, which was a song of triumph, of salvation through God's judgment. God brought judgment on the Egyptians, and the Israelites experienced salvation. They sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb because it's the same song. The church sings the same song, and it's the song of the Lamb, the song of triumph, or salvation through judgment. And that... Brothers and sisters, is a song we will sing forever. Now, I, I like to, uh, at times, go on YouTube or whatever and watch, uh, watch things of soldiers coming home. And if, if you've ever done that, it's worth your time. It's, if you can try it, or if you just feel like you need to get some tears out and you're having trouble, just go turn on. You'll be able to cry, right? Um, there's one on there about like World War II uh, soldiers coming home. And you can picture the scene quite easily here. It's this, this big uh, ship with all these soldiers on it. And it's, it's pulling into the harbor, and, and guys are hanging out the window, and everybody, you know, everybody's going crazy, both on the ship and on the shore. People waving, people cheering, waiting 
And finally, the, the, the ramp gets up and is ready, and the soldiers just bolt. They start running down uh, to the shore, and they just run into the crowd, and people are embracing. Sometimes the people from the crowd spot, spot their loved one coming down the ramp, and they bolt over, and they embrace. And then the rest of the video, you just watch people dancing and singing in the streets, and they're celebrating. And that, that is what we're going to experience one day. One day we'll walk into this fest- festival, but it won't even be that we're celebrating us. We're celebrating the king, the one who's, who brought salvation and his judgment The one who is great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord. This is the song we will sing to him. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Part of those deeds are that you brought us to the end. You kept us. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations, even that which was difficult in our life. We see it now. Just and true and faithful have you been, O Lord God Almighty, to the end. We will not, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. There is none like you. All nations will come. All nations will worship you because your righteous acts have been revealed. And I simply want to just close and spend a little bit of time of prayer and asking God, convince us deeper about the reality of this Declaration, blessed are those who die in the Lord. So let us pray together and think about this. God, we come as people who, you know, I, I just know that oftentimes we're t- we're, we are tired. We're tired in the battle. There's temptations to you know, just, just follow the flesh there's temptations to get our own way. You know, oftentimes a lot of these things are just very simple things. Every, everyday life. Life is not going the way we wanted. We're afraid of next week. And we're just, we're tired, we're frustrated, and we want to coast for a bit. We just want to put the guard down. And God, we, I mean, when it's, when we understand it rightly, that's the last thing we want to do. Because we know the enemy is like a, a, a lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. And so we want to run hard. We want to run the race. We want to get to the end as people who die in the Lord. We confess our weakness, God. And we need your grace. We need your strength. There's no way we can make it to the end on our own. And so we think back earlier in the, in the book uh, Lord Jesus, as you said that, uh, that you would keep your church to the end. And so we ask you, God, keep us. Keep us in you. Keep us in the Lord. Keep us keeping your commandments and having that desire and keeping faith and trusting you, despite what, what all the sneers that come at us. We confess that sometimes we, we prefer our reputation or people liking us, whether it be neighbors or friends or family member, over simply stating the truth as you declare it to be. What's true in the world, what's right in the world, who God is, how salvation can happen. Sometimes we close our lips because we're afraid. Oh God, give us courage, we ask. We want to be people who die in the Lord. We agree, God, that 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 is 
Those are the blessed people. And I ask that, uh, Spirit of God, you would, you would do the yes in our hearts, uh, especially for those here who, who may be doubting uh, whether it's worth running the race anymore. Confirm it to them. Yes, it is worth it all the way to the end. Rest will happen one day. Relief won't happen here. Relief comes later. And it's worth it to run it to the end. And you see all the faithfulness, all the battle, every, every choice to obey you versus our own flesh, every choice to obey you versus our opinion, you see it all. And it honors you. God, give us strength to battle, we ask. Thank you for the death of Jesus on our behalf. In his name we pray. Amen. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, now. So the Lord's table is open for all who worship Jesus as the Christ. If you're here today and you claim Jesus as the one, the Son of God, who died in the place of sinners, rose from the dead, and is reigning on high, and are striving to walk with him, then, then the table is open to you. If you're here this morning and you are living in unrepentant sin, or if you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, then we ask you not to partake of the elements. Uh, but if, if you're here and, and you are a follower of Jesus, please come inside to the aisle, come forward, grab the elements, and then return to the seat, and we'll partake of the elements together. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Because the Lord Jesus, his body was broken to secure the promise that is to come. It's not anything that you have done or that you will do. The fact that there are shores of the celestial city waiting for the festival where the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to happen. It's because Christ's body was broken on your behalf. And that is what we look to, brothers and sisters. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you.